Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Ad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Griefsters. I hope you're having an okay week, wherever you're listening to at the moment, whether it's warm and sunny where you are or you're facing the the cold November, which is currently starting to creep in to England at the moment. Thank you so much for all the messages I've had recently. I had a lot of messages, especially off um, Christopher's episode a couple of weeks ago, if you haven't listened to it. Uh, yet I recommend you do because I think I think it might be in one of the top it's in the top three of these of the Griefcast and I've had a lot of people say it to me and it's a really beautiful and moving episode so thank you so much if you enjoy the show as ever please do rate review subscribe it makes a huge difference and if you've joined me from the Apple Spotlight scheme as well hello welcome This week I'm talking to the brilliant Sam Irving. Sam is an amazing improviser and an actor. He is part of the several improv troops, one of them being Men With Coconuts, uh, the Spontaneous Players who do Spontaneous Sherlock and Spontaneous Harry Potter. You may have seen them if you've been at the Edinburgh Fringe. They're very, very successful there. Sam came in to talk to me about a very unusual experience. Sam is originally from Dunblane and he was at Dunblane Primary School when the massacre occurred all those years ago. He was in reception. He wasn't in the reception cast that was affected, but obviously he was hugely, hugely affected. And we talk about that a lot on this episode about how you can be near a tragedy and and how the guilt of feeling that you perhaps you shouldn't be affected as much as you are, even though you are. And I'm sure we can all relate to that with grief of how much grief are we allowed to feel. Um, Sam also mentions a lot of organisations in this episode that are doing some amazing campaigning, both here and in America as well. Um, And I'm going to list all of that in the show notes as well. So if there's anything that you miss as you're listening to the episode, do check out the show notes. That's where all the information will be. But for now, a huge thank you to Sam for sharing his story. And this is his story. So, Sam... Who are we remembering today? I ask all my guests that, but perhaps it's a bit of a strange one this week. Yeah, uh, who we're rem- remembering for me today, and it is a bit of an odd one, it's the uh, the children who and the teacher who died in the Dunblane Massacre 25 years ago. I am from Dunblane originally, went to Dunblane Primary School, and I wasn't in the class with the children who lost their life that day, but I was in the same year group. So there was, you know, three primary one classes at that school. And I was in one, and the class that was the victims of the of the massacre were in one of the other two classes. Oh my goodness! And twenty five years ago as yeah, well. 20, like twenty five years this year, March was the twenty fifth anniversary. Wow, twenty five years ago seems like a very long and a very short time. <clears throat> yeah. At the same time, like because it does seem like a long time ago, but it also seems like it it was such a shocking event. 
So you were about four or five? Five. Uh, yeah, five. I just turned five. And then, yeah, the 16 kids who died were all five or six as well. Oh, my God. So if, you, if you're okay <laughs> to go yeah. back to what happened. So were you in school that day? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I don't have a strong memory of the event itself, yeah. of the day itself. I have a, I have a pretty decent memory of the immediate aftermath and the, the kind of the coming days and weeks and months. But I guess, you know, like any traumatic event, you know, I think my five-year-old brain probably wasn't able to fully comprehend what was yeah, happening. Yeah. And so I've probably shut it out to an extent. But yeah, no, I, I was I was in school that day and uh, and I do kind of have a have a memory of the of the aftermath. Um, yeah, what do you remember event. then? So you don't you like obviously you said you I mean I'm not surprised trauma does all sorts of things to people, but to be five and have to deal with that is a lot. Is it kind of like you said, is it just a blur and then you like you remember the like where does your memories where do they begin for you? Like you said, it's the aftermath. Yeah, so I as I say, you know, the, the, the day of, I, I really don't have a memory of that. But I remember afterwards, you know, there, there being, you know, thousands and thousands of bouquets of flowers that had been left right the entire road outside the primary school. Wow. Just people were sending flowers and gifts from all over the world. I remember the, uh, there was, again, a, a kind of an inpouring of, um, of toys and teddy bears and stuffed animals, again, from people all over the world. And, um, you know, every child in the school got a, a teddy bear as a gift. I've still got mine. I've got a stuffed wow. gorilla. It's, I've got it downstairs in my, in my flat now, which, you know, again, was just there was it was such an impactful event. Not, you know, obviously in, in, in Britain, it's the it's the um, it's the biggest gun massacre in British history. It's the only yeah. school shooting in British history. So it's such a huge, impactful event for everyone in the UK but beyond that as well you know people in in Europe and America and Australia you know you anytime I mention where I'm from which you know often I actually if I if I don't want to get into a conversation about it I'll just say I'm from central Scotland I'm from near Stirling or you know say oh I, I live in London I've lived in Edinburgh that sort of thing um, because, yeah, because if you as mention soon it, as you say don't blame yeah like yeah. immediately and I you know perhaps perhaps it doesn't Perhaps the younger generation don't have it, but definitely someone of my age is like, oh, I know, yeah, like, oh, don't blame the school yeah. shooter. Like, it, your your brain is just, like, linked to that place completely. So, it's, yeah. I'm, yeah, it's, I think it's it's improved somewhat in recent years because of Andy Murray. Um, <laughs> and suddenly there being a positive <laughs> oh, connotation. God bless. God bless Andy Murray. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. he's spoken about the, uh, about the massacre as well because he would have been in primary seven when it happened. So he was also in school that day. But the, the, the fact that he's brought a, you know, a positive connotation mm. to the name of the town to go alongside the negative one, because I think obviously it's important that we don't forget what happened um yeah yeah you know we can't we can't forget it because it's you know those who forget history are doomed to repeat it all of that and it, it had such a, a a huge impact on on gun legislation in this country and showed that that can happen and can make a difference so it is important we remember it but to have something positive alongside that as well and as yeah. you say, particularly for a younger generation, anyone younger than me, I think, you know, if they hear Dunblane, probably their first association is, oh, that's where Andy Murray's from. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it, that, like, you can age someone sometimes by a memory. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. You'd be like, oh, well, that's not your... My um, dad originally is from Wales, and his parents are from a small town, which is sort of part of Cardiff now, called Bridgend. And... When they were, when my dad was growing up, it was like tiny, you know, like they ran the sweet shop and there was like two shops and, and, but it unfortunately had a horrific spate of kind of teenage suicides happen for a while. It was really, really awful. And whenever I used to say, I had this weird moment where I used, as a kid, I said, oh, they're from Bridgen. They'd go, oh, right, where's that? And then afterwards they'd go, oh, where that awful? And I'd be like, oh, yeah. Like, so again, I just started saying Cardiff because I was like, oh, this is really, it's a strange, like you said, that way that you have a choice as um, if you are someone who's, you know, 
in grief or has been bereaved in a certain way that you can decide one day of like how much am I going to reveal today (laughs) how much do I want to which I guess for you something so like you said infamous as the school shooting you're constantly having to negotiate that of like oh do I want to go into that today because of course it's going to be like like me like were you at school what happened like all that stuff just that's immediately it's immediate I think the, the 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 most common question if I do if I do share where I'm from the first question I get is, oh, how old are you? Uh, So they're trying to pin exactly, you know, how affected I would have been by it, which is an awful thing to think. But And obviously there's so many people who are more affected by it than me. You know, the the families of the victims, the the people who were directly impacted, who were shot but survived or who were in the classroom that day in the PE hall that day. Um, You know, I I, I can only really speak for myself and I, I, you know, I don't want to, to... come across that I'm speaking about this no, for anyone no. who who can't who can't uh, speak for themselves in this situation. But uh, yeah, it's uh, also I think you know until recently as well. I, I look quite a lot younger than I am as well. So people would say, oh, but you know you wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been affected when actually you know it, it's uh, pretty pretty deeply affected obviously by the uh, by the event. But this is that weird thing we've talked about on the show before of like the grief maths that people like to do. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, so if you were three, then you probably don't like, like as if that matters. Like it, it happened, yeah. it happened. And you could have been, you know, a baby and still be affected by what happened because you grew up in that town. That whole town would have been in grief. Yeah. And I think it's it's weird that, I don't know where it, quite where it comes from, but it's like people want to... I guess something, especially like shooting in this country, which is, you know, unusual, highly unusual and very shocking. People are trying to place like, how sad is this person? Like, so that I can judge how I should react, you know? Like, it's like they want to go, oh, is he really sad? Do I need to be really, do I need to be, rather than just going, let you know, why don't you tell me how you were affected? We kind of like to prepare, sort of mentally prepare ourselves, but it's all kind of a weird etiquette. Or yeah, ra- you know, rather than just saying, "Oh, are you okay?" to yeah, yeah. to for me to talk about that with you, yeah. just trying to work out, you know, how <laughs> yeah, how traumatized I am and how yeah. how much I'm going to be affected by them bringing it bringing it up. It, it's, yeah, that is what it is. It's a weird kind of I you know I want to say British or English, but perhaps that's you know you're Scottish. Perhaps it's a United Kingdom thing of like, yeah. um, oh, I don't want to upset him. So let's work out how old was he? So then maybe I can work out how. You, and again, it's like just ask someone. But it's almost like with the politeness steps in of like, oh, I, I couldn't possibly ask him. Are, yeah. you okay, are you okay talking about it? Which is actually the the kindest thing to do to someone. Absolutely. And the the other one I get a lot is is people just kind of say, oh, and it's not oh I'm so sorry, yeah, and it's yeah. not oh um wow you know that, that that's you know they just say oh. And then don't address the elephant in the room, yeah, which yeah. is, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather they said, oh, my God, you know, and like yeah, massively yeah. overreacted to it yeah. than just kind of clearly knowing what that means, but yeah. then not addressing it is. Uh, and you know that I was followed in their head by like a lot of internal chat of like, oh, my God, well, he must have. Oh, oh, God. But they just have like learned not to say things out loud in that kind of polite, like we said, or faux politeness because it isn't yeah. really polite because you know yeah. they're thinking it <laughs> i think it is very british i think you're yeah, right um yeah. you know it's just oh we can't we can't possibly discuss it what an awkward topic of conversation yeah. you know and actually it's more uncomfortable not to address it yeah and i mean you get that with death anyway you know like i have that as someone who's lost a parent to cancer people will will be like oh 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 uh anyway but but what you've been through again it's that thing of like I guess in a way everybody has their own memory of it like even I I started the show with like oh well I remember it happening mm-hmm. because it was so like you said it was a it wasn't just a shocking thing in Scotland you know it was globally shocking because obviously the nature of it was just so so awful and and especially yeah for this country that's not something that is is common here not to say that because it's common in America it's not traumatic it is deeply deeply traumatic so when you got given that gorilla and the soft toy yeah that i mean so i have a child who is nearly five and i can't imagine how you comprehended what was going on because especially what i know from my experience of five-year-olds is like they jump in and out of comprehension quite a lot and so things you think they understand they've a minute of 10 you know 
two days later they act like they haven't understood and you think oh i thought we i thought mm. we definitely got that like how what did your how did your brain even process it or did it just not yeah i don't know that it it, it particularly did i think you know i don't think anyone you know an adult or a child or you know n- you know five-year-old really as you say that the, that brain's still very much developing um can really comprehend death the violent death on that yeah. scale as well I, I I think I as a child you know I had a lot of nightmares about violence and yeah. you know I was a very anxious child I think probably already to begin with and then I think that impacted me in that sense so yeah I don't think my brain necessarily was processing it certainly not in a healthy way but then how could it and you know I think yeah. my parents did an incredible job of making sure that me and my brothers kind of mm, knew what had happened but in a in a way that we could at least begin to wrap our heads around but how could they you know th- there's no yeah. training that a parent can get in how oh, to God. go through that with their child you know it, mm. it's it's difficult enough explaining death and loss to a child but again on that scale in, in and in that way I don't think anyone should have to deal with that, obviously, but a, but a child particularly, it's, it's how do you explain that and how do you process that? Yeah, um, I mean, that's it. You know, I get a lot of people asking me about, oh, how do I talk to my child about death? And and I'm always like, you know, you, you have to kind of be honest and, and, and talk about it. And, and that's such an important part. But to, when you when you're dealing with, like you said, something so violent and frightening, I mean, it's frightening for an adult to get you said to wrap your head around I cut as a child like it, it is the stuff of nightmares it is the stuff of like scary films that you tell yeah. a child well that's just not real you know that doesn't happen and I think that's I recognize that as well if you're anxious anyway I was anxious anyway and then my dad died so it was like oh great all the evidence I need <laughs> like yeah. uh, there's the thing I was worried about yeah great I understand the world is terrifying never relax so I can imagine if you know once you've been through something like that like how your brain is just on alert a lot right because it's yeah absolutely yeah and as I say yeah just I used to have dreams about you know I would worry about people breaking into our house and you know little things like you know my mum tells a story about when we were on holiday as a kid and I was absolutely convinced that the house was going to burn down and my mum was saying well why would the house burn down you know we you know none of us smokes and I say oh what if a robber breaks in and the robber smokes and he drops a cigarette and you know it's these leaps of logic to justify the anxiety that you have in your brain but yeah so I had really horrible nightmares and my parents bought me a dream catcher at a time when that wasn't really something that was available in the UK yeah, so yeah. they got one shipped over from America because wow. they, they were desperately trying to find any way to deal with yeah these horrible nightmares that I was having and it's tough yeah I but again as I say I think my parents did an absolutely incredible job of of handling it because again like you were saying you you now look at it as a parent with a with a child yeah, I look at yeah. it now my mum and dad would have been, you know, maybe like three, five years older than I am now oh, God, when that yeah. happened. And yeah. I don't have kids yet, but um, I think about that, trying to deal with that from my parents' perspective, because, yeah, I'm basically the same age that they were yeah. when it happened. Do you remember talking about it to, like, any of your friends at the time? Did you ever, did it ever come up or was, was it like a sort of um, group trauma in that nobody really kind of wanted to think about it? I talked about it, we talked about it when I was older. We talked about it when I was in high school because obviously, again, as I say, there was people who were there. There was people who were shot and survived yeah. who were my classmates right through high school, God. Um, you know, who had scars um, from that incident. And so, yeah, it was talked about in that capacity. It was talked about in school to an extent but yeah it, when we were young I don't think we really talked about it or processed it as kids um, yeah. certainly not I, I, I think it came up occasionally in conversation probably and then obviously we would mark the day every year and would something happen at the school on that day was it kind of there would yeah the, the school would mark it and there would be you know maybe a minute silence or something like that but um you know, to this day, it's it's the kind of thing where 
and you'll understand because it's true of any um, loss, everything reminds you of it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, And just little things that you wouldn't even expect to. Um, But I think kind of magnified again because of the scale of it and because of all of the things that happened around it. So um, I remember... uh, after the after the massacre, there was a a, a charity single released, um, which was, um, well, it was a couple of songs, but they did a, a cover of "Knocking on Heaven's Door," but they oh, added yeah. a verse. They got permission from Bob Dylan to add a verse about wow. the the Bairns of Dunblane, um, and then I was in a in like a like this seedy nightclub in China. I lived in China for a few years. And uh, one of my friends was, uh, you know, a f- Scottish girl working as a bar singer there because make a bit of extra money while you're studying, why not? And um, she got up and with the the kind of the house band and they they started singing "Knocking on Heaven's Door" and I had to leave the room because I just had this wave of, oh, God. you know, emotion and yeah, nostalgia, but not good nostalgia. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Well, I think especially when something happens to you when you're very young. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, my experience is teenage, but what I've read about kids and processing trauma and grief, and obviously what you experienced was extreme trauma, is that, you, like we've said, you can't. You can't, really. Which I think is where the lie comes, oh, children are so resilient. <laughs> which always makes me laugh, because I'm like, yeah. what you mean is... Uh, that 30 year old is gonna have to deal with that <laughs> like that's what when you're looking at the small child it's like they they can't they can't process it they don't understand and so you sort of store things up don't you and like you said then when you get older that wave hits you and, and it's like it's like your back it's like you're you know you're experiencing it because at the time your brain just couldn't experience it and I, I, I'm not a medical professional I don't know the official terms um but that's what my experiences have been of, of talking to lots of people of like mm how powerful those waves can be when you've had that experience as a child because I think it's slightly different if you've had something as an adult because you tend to have that at the not the correct timeline but you know like a year or two years after you'll be in a bar and it's not like it's 15 years and you're having to go whoa what where's that come from because it's this stuff that how like how can you comprehend it you can't comprehend it that children you knew and played with are now not there like it makes yeah. no sense you're absolutely it nail on the head there it's it's not that children handle it better it's just that they they can't process it so their brain yeah. fills it away until it can and then by the time it can it's maybe compounded and it's twisted and it's not the same mm. emotion anymore and you can't handle it in the in the proper way necessarily and it's often i found confusing for the people because they're like well why are you so upset and you're like oh uh, it's a thing that happened 20 years ago yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 difficult if someone hasn't known you your whole life if they've known you since that trauma or the death then yeah. they can often help they can see the timeline with you and they're like oh i know what this is but if, if there's someone you met along the way they can often be like whoa what is this because the emotion is so raw suddenly if you if it is when it first starts leaking out you know yeah i had a an, another moment probably the, the most visceral kind of emotional reaction i've had to it um i went to see uh, there's a there's a poetry collective in edinburgh called loud poets um do a lot of stuff at the fringe um and one of the uh, poets who was part of that at the time and this was during the, the edinburgh fringe a few years ago I was a poet named Catherine Wilson, and she lost her sister in Dumpling. Um, but I had I didn't know her prior mm. to to meeting her through poetry because her family had moved away, and I knew this, and I knew as well that she had a poem in her set about her sister. Um, so I even being fully prepared for that, so yeah. we went in and we sat down at this incredible poetry show, and. Um, she starts saying this poem about her sister and, and it's it's basically it's her describing her sister and all of the amazing things her sister is and then she says, Well actually that's like that's how I like to imagine my sister. She died in Dunblane. Um and at that point I just I was, you know, I, I nearly had to leave the room because I was howling, you know, racking, sobbing. Uh and again, with a group of people who have known me for years and years, but as an adult and probably knew I had a connection to that, but I don't think we're expecting the level of 
um, impact that was having because I wasn't expecting yeah. that. I thought I was prepared, and I thought maybe you know, maybe I'd you know have a, a you know a couple of tears rolling down yeah, my cheek. Yeah, in yeah. That, you know, uh, like when you you know you watch a movie and you're like, oh yeah, that was impactful. No, this was. I haven't cried like that in as uh, probably before or since, at least as an adult. It was. Um, you don't know how you're going to handle it, and so you can't expect anyone around you to to know how to react either. No, and as you said, I think that's really true, that sometimes you can go all, like, full Boy Scout. You're so prepared. You're like, you know, I know this film's about death, and I, I know what it's... I, I'm ready. I know what's going to happen. I probably will cry. And like you said, it, it, when that emotion wants to come out, there's not a lot you can do about it. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you do end up, yeah, howling where you know where you're sitting and and it's yeah it's I think what's interesting I wonder with with what because of what you've been through as well of like it's so stored and and what people are looking at I think what's hard for some people sometimes they're like they're seeing an adult and they're like oh this this man's very upset but you need to track back and be like this five-year-old is upset like that's what you're like that racking is a five-year-old being like what just happened that's awful it's so horrible I don't want it to happen yeah but it can be hard for people to sort of I think that's one of the most sort of compassionate things you can do actually is when someone is upset or, you know, even angry or even being annoying is <laughs> to kind of imagine the child them and be like, okay, what is actually being expressed there? Because it might be something that they just couldn't express as a child. But of course yeah. that I can totally understand like yeah, someone everyone's... who was there, someone who's actually, you know, did her sister died in that situation. Like it just, yeah. It's yeah. They, it, it's a good segue for me to mention as well. Actually, both uh, Catherine, but also uh, uh, a guy called Jack Crozier, who also lost his sister. And uh, I knew, I've known him for much longer because he was uh, in my younger brother's year in school, and um, so I, I've known him through my brother. And uh, they've both done incredible, you know, outreach work, advocacy work for gun control, both here, but they've also they've gone across after the. Um, Parkland shooting in America. They went across, met with the families out there. Um, yeah. They've done a lot of work for some incredible, you know, charities and advocacy groups. After Parkland and Sandy Hook, uh, so the Newtown Action Alliance uh, is one of them. Change the Ref is one. March for Our Lives. Uh, so they've done. They've gone out. They've spoken to the families there. They've said, look, you know, we've we've been there too. You know, Dumbling stands with Parkland was the big, uh, you know, the the big push afterwards, and helping to raise money um, and helping with the push for gun control out in the states because, you know, they they've again, as I say, they've been there. Some of those people have been so much more directly impacted even than me, um, and they're channeling that and they're doing something with it. And uh, I think you know, I just wanted to give them a little shout out and say yeah, that they're, they're doing God. amazing, amazing work. That's incredible, especially after what they've been through yeah and yeah i mean we all know what it you know we've all read the constant headlines of things still happening and i know this the sandy hook thing obviously was a huge sort of watershed moment that a lot of people feel didn't didn't change what should have been changed Mm. by then and yeah it's you know i speak to a lot of people on this show who've lost people through you know illness that still can't be cured there's nothing that can be done it's just one of those things sometimes bodies don't work but when you've when you have suffered a grief in a way where you know not that it was preventable but there were you know there were choices made that made that happen I think that's a very a very difficult grief to handle because you're you don't have that card of well there's literally nothing that could have like you know yeah doctors did what they could and then people die that you don't have that you know you have that it this shouldn't have happened yeah, and again, it's that thing as well about it being a, a it's a constant reminder. Every time there's a shooting in yeah. America, which is often, it's a reminder. And in the UK as well, you know, we're not, you know, I think we, we're obviously so, 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 so much better on gun yeah. control and on levels of violent cr- gun crime in the UK. But, you know, you saw that in August in Plymouth, um, oh, you know, yeah. there was another, there's gun violence again and there still is, room to improve in the UK in terms of legislation in terms of monitoring mental health there's a there's a um, group called the gun control network which is set up for that because you know you can still get one license to own a shotgun in the UK and buy as many shotguns as you want or sport hunting guns Uh, you know there's no 
they're they're pushing for things like you know having a, a a connection if you own a gun license for hunting or as a farmer or any of these things to have some connection to your gp record so that if you are seen to be you know medically unfit to own a firearm that is flagged up in the system because yeah. you still can legally buy guns in the uk you just can't buy handguns for personal ownership yes yeah, so very very well said that it, uh, often in this country we're like we're so much better than america mm. <laughs> it's it's yeah. not always it's not like there's no room for improvement here of course there is millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. I just wondered, like, have you, and this is a genuine question, I'm, I, there's no judgment in this question, but like, mm. and you've mentioned it already of like, how do you deal with the grief where you, you said like, you feel like, well, I wasn't as impacted as others, but obviously you're still suffering. Like, has that been difficult to balance? Because I, I think, of course you've been grieving, of course mm. this has affected you, but I know that I can understand that weird judgment that we do to ourselves. Yeah, it's yeah, it is something that I I think I'm I'm handling better now. I think um you know, in my teens and in my 20s, I I think I probably did feel like when I had those moments of of outpouring of grief of um you know, being something small just tipping me off, um I kind of it, I I kind of almost felt guilty mm. because I was like, oh, well, I have no right to you know, I guess it's a survivor's guilt to an extent as well. You know, yeah. you know, I what what right have I got? I'm alive. I'm I'm healthy. I'm well. What right have I got to be so upset by this? But I think now, as a you know, I think you know, as a as a, you, we think of ourselves as adults from the moment we're eighteen or sixteen yeah. or whatever. But I think now, now that I'm thirty, I, I kind of can look back and think, oh, actually, I, I still was a child when I was trying to deal with a lot of those emotions. And so, yeah, I think I'm allowing myself to be affected by it more and allowing myself to grieve more. But I do still, <laughs> I think I do still feel a little bit like when I when I see people like Catherine and Jack or, or you know, the, my classmates who were directly impacted by it, I do still feel a little bit of guilt, which I kind of have to acknowledge and then tamp mm. down a little bit of saying, oh, well, they have it worse. Because there's always going to be someone who has it worse. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. I think you put that really well because there is, but it doesn't, like, if you do that to yourself, if you're like, oh, well, you know, but I am I wasn't, you know, I wasn't affected as, as someone else. It doesn't change your feelings. So mm. if you feel grief and you feel sad and, you, you know, you've got that pain and anger that you need to get rid of, just saying, oh, well, it was worse for others doesn't make the pain and sadness go away that's if it did it'd be great <laughs> if you could be logical about it and go oh yes I see my pain doesn't yes well it's not as heavy as that person so I don't need it but that's not how it works it's like you still feel it and you can be feeling it just 
out of empathy because you know you yeah. because you did survive and i think it's funny isn't it we we call it survivor's guilt and i know exactly what you mean by that term but in a way it's like you can feel so deeply because there by the grace of god go i like because of that you can feel like someone else's pain and it is a sort of deep deep empathy for what happened to someone but we we try and again place value on things or judge it like you shouldn't have that or you're allowed 60% of it and you're allowed 20% like there's no yeah. logic to grief it doesn't it doesn't work like that it just unfortunately it would be very neat if it did <laughs> we yeah. could all we could all weigh our grief and be like and I, I get that sometimes with people who, you know, it's been 20 years and they're like, oh, well, it's been 20 years, so I'm not allowed to feel anything. And you're like, yeah, but do you? <laughs> That's what matters, isn't it? It's not whether yeah. you're allowed. It's like, but but do you? Do you feel yeah. that pain and sadness? And if you do, that's that's what you've got to deal with. Did you... Um, did you go to therapy? Did you get counselling or anything like that? Like, what was, what was offered no, at the time? I, and what's happened now, I wonder? To be honest, I actually genuinely couldn't tell you what happened at the time um I would need to ask my parents about that it's not something we've ever talked about but no I don't think we really got uh, I I never got therapy in that sense it's something I considered when I was at university I struggled quite badly with depression which I think is probably unrelated but uh and I considered it then and then ultimately didn't go to therapy and I'm just kind of now coming back around again as a as a more mature adult who actually can look at myself and go okay maybe this is something healthy it's something that i'm considering just generally not specifically for this but for grief but But for um for life for everything that's interesting to me because so many people i've spoken to on the show who've had an early grief so you know not 10 or teenage the thing we always say that always comes up is you know you spend your teenage years utterly confused as to what happened your 20s being like uh what happened to me has nothing to do with how I'm feeling now nothing at all like completely unrelated and then you hit 30 and you're like oh hang on a minute and you draw the line and you suddenly see this line really clearly that you've never seen before and you're like oh it's all related to that what because you spend your 20s being like no 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 don't worry this is this is just who I am this is nothing to do with this thing that happened to me and I I do think it's something like I used to be annoyed by that because I I didn't get therapy till I was in my early thirties, um, and I I you know not saying you're doing this at all, but I for ages I was like no no I'm like it's nothing to do with like my dad dying is just a thing that happened it's nothing to do with yeah. what's happening now, and then <laughs> once I got to early thirties I was like I think that moment molded me so um, viscerally that everything, every decision, every mental place I've been in can be pointed back to that. And even though I was anxious beforehand, yes, this thing came and like stamped me into a shape, which made me look at the world in a certain way, which made me feel a certain way, which made me blah, 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 blah. And it's not that it's, it's not negative. I think that's the thing I was worried. I was like, oh, therefore I did something wrong or I'm a bad person or I'm not fulfilling my potential. Um, and what I sort of felt in my early 30s was like, oh, I see. It's just how it is. It's nothing. It's not good or bad. It's just a thing happened to me. I reacted to it. And now I need to just look at quite what happened. Just sort of investigate it a bit. Yeah. I think as well, you know, that's it. You know, I think we're a sum of all of our experiences, the yes. good and the bad. And you need to acknowledge that everything's probably connected in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, not saying you have to have therapy at all. So. No, no, definitely. <laughs> definitely something that it's been on the radar for a while. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, like, I think it's, I mean, that's interesting to me as well that you don't remember anything being off. I mean, you know, perhaps it was, but also I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't because of the time, because of the time that it happened. It, there was a kind of, well, you know, get on with it. That's the best thing to do. And I wonder now, you know, I'm sure mental services are still so hideously underfunded that I'm sure it's yeah. it's still not what it should be. But it's crazy to think isn't it like really with something that traumatic like the whole town should have been <laughs> offered wraparound therapy care but you know the resources are not are not possible because i like you said that when something that massive happens to a whole town that's in the way that people have been talking about the pandemic you know like the whole world is is grieving for what's happened like that's yeah. and that's a you know a pandemic what happened in Dunblane the whole town was affected by that in some form because it was it was small right you know it was a small place and yeah it's like nine thousand people yeah like, like that. that's gonna 
that's a huge impactful thing huge and like you're you're right you know good and bad all of your experiences make something make make up who you are but something is as unusual and horrific as that like it's going to leave scars mentally and physically um how do you feel now like do do you like what are your parents still living in Dublin like do you ever sort of pass it so do you when you pass the school like is it still something that kind of or is it just one of those things it's just there yeah it's just kind of there it's just always I guess in the back of my mind to an extent I don't you know it's not the you know they I pass through the school and I think you know oh there's my there's my old primary school. Yeah, yeah. No more than that, really. But yeah, there's, there's, it, it has left its mark on the town, but in positive ways as well. You know, there was huge funds raised afterwards, and so they built a, a really excellent community centre. So as you drive into Dunblane, um, there's this huge called the Dunblane Centre community centre, which was, uh, which was built through the the donations and the funds raised after the massacre, and that. You know, that's where we used to go when I was in a band in high school. We would go and practice in the music room there. And I used to go to youth clubs there. And uh, we would hold concerts there when we were, you know, doing it. Uh, so it's that that sort of thing, you know, that, that reminds me, but in a kind of a bittersweet way, I guess, yeah. of, you know, it, it, it was an incredible resource to have, but it was made possible by this awful, awful event. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. no, I, I say my parents do still live there. They still live in the house that, I, that we lived in at the time that we grew up in. So I, I, I go back there you know a few times a year and but it's just it's my home it's in the same way it is for anyone else I guess yeah yeah that's the thing it's you can't separate it when it's an incident that happens so close I guess it's not like you were visiting and you would think well I'll never visit that place again like this awful thing happened there yeah it's wrapped up in like you said who you are and all your other experiences have you had any griefs since then that you felt have like kind of oh triggered anything or been difficult to process because of what happened or not at all or yeah um so uh, you know i i count myself very fortunate you know both my parents are still with us very healthy and well um i lost two of my grandparents kind of back to back very quick succession um when i was 18 and that was kind of a, that was a weird experience for me because it was I was living in China at the time, uh, doing a, a gap year, and I kind of I knew that they were sick. My parents came across to visit me at, at Easter, and they said, "Oh, um, just so you know, they're both they're both very sick. They both had cancer, smoking related cancers." And they asked me. They said, "Do you want to? Do you want to know if they die? Like, do you want us to tell you yeah. if they die?" And I said. No, because I said, look, if I, if you tell me that they've died while I'm out here, I'll fly home. I won't stay. Yeah. And that, that's not what they want. That's not what anyone wants. And it, it's not going to help me to come back to grieve them then. Yeah. So they actually died while I was out there. And I found out when I got back, I, I literally got wow. back, landed in Heathrow Airport. And my parents picked me up and they took me and we sat down in a cafe and they said they both died within, you know, two, three months of each other. And so I kind of already had a bit of a delayed yeah. grieving process on that. Uh, I went down with my dad and helped gut their house actually after words as part of my grieving process because, I, you know, I, I wasn't there for them you know, to, to, to see them at, at the end. Yeah. Um, my younger brother was, and he was quite deeply impacted by it. So I guess my way of, of both helping out and saying goodbye was I went down, I visited the, the graveyard, and I helped, you know, get all of the furniture and wallpaper and everything out of the carpets up out of the house so that it, it could be sold. And um, But yeah, so I didn't really grieve them immediately, and then maybe six months later, I woke up at about two in the morning. You know, I was staying with my then girlfriend at university and just, again, that kind of racking, sobbing, you know, real, real tears. And I think that was obviously for, it was for my grandparents, but it, I think it was also, it was for everything. You know, it was, it was, it was yeah. all of that pent up grief. And then also, kind of in between those two, there was a, a a guy, he wasn't a close friend, but he was someone I'd met doing, you know, I did a lot of youth theatre, 
um, and we'd had a big youth theatre festival, which my theatre group had hosted. It was at the, the McRobert Art Centre at Stirling University when I was about 16. And so all of these other youth groups came from all around Scotland and put on these shows and we met up and we were all staying in dorms together uh, and got on really well. And then a, a few months later, one of the guys I'd met through that took his own life. And yeah, that was another one of those things which I just kind of, you know, I just kind of put a pin in it almost. I was like, oh, that's awful. But I didn't really address it. Um, and so, yeah, there was me again. I was, I would been 18, maybe 19. Uh, and just suddenly all of these bereavements, all of these losses kind of hit me like a, like a tidal wave mm. at two in the morning apropos of absolutely nothing yeah i think it's i think it's really hard when um i mean life's hard but i think it's hard when you when you have a grief very early on and maybe this isn't fair but i i certainly recognize it myself of of because you can't process it that's what happens when you get older (laughs) so the same thing happens you go all right okay and you carry on because that's what you did when you were a kid. Yeah. And then you wake up at two in the morning and you're like, why am I sobbing? Like, I've, I've, I've definitely experienced that. And it's almost like, <clears throat> I don't know, like a pathway gets burnt in your head of like being very good at putting things to one side. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you don't care. You absolutely care. But you're also able, because you had to do this as a child, to go, right, that's that. I can't deal with it but I'll just carry it for a bit so I'm just carrying it and then you know because you're an adult you're like what the hell am I what is that that's all this sadness oh my god like what what is that from but being able and again maybe that's you know unfair but I I definitely recognize that myself of things happening that were very sad but just being like right yeah sure got it that's what's happened okay and kind of like almost like a numbness from them because that's how you've learned how to process grief is like, I can't process it yet. I need to take it away. I need to carry on my life. And I wonder if you've, um, perhaps if you ex- experience, uh, you know, your first grief is when you're much older, if it's, it's a slightly different process. Like, I don't know, maybe that's unfair, but um, I definitely recognize the crying and not quite, like you said, apropos of nothing, just being like, what this, this wrenching, howling, sobbing is coming from, you know, someone just told me their granddad died and I'm suddenly yeah. sobbing and you're like, oh, hang on a minute, where's this come from? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as I say, it, it, it can be, it can be as little as nothing that sets yeah. it off. Just, I don't know if, you know, maybe you were having a, a dream that you woke up from and you couldn't remember the dream, but it was enough to, to, to tip over the edge. But yeah. 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 It's very difficult. And, you know, death is a part of life that is what happens like you know we as you get older you do know people or you know whether it is something as violent or traumatic as what you went through or its parents or its grandparents or friends it's you know it is a part but it's yeah I don't know maybe I'm I I do think that the first time you learn that lesson can can make some not choices they're not choices in your head but it just affects you basically the first yeah, time no, you I think have it's, to. Yeah. You're making those, con- your brain is making those connections yeah. for the first time. And you, uh, you know, how you are as an adult is, you know, obviously there's a whole nature nurture debate, but yeah. there, there's definitely your, your upbringing, but also just your experiences as a child do affect how you, you handle anything yeah. as an adult. And I think we have a, we have a degree of control over it. You know, I think I, I'm trying to push myself to to be a bit more death positive and in my adulthood and and you know look at death as you say as another part of life which happens to everyone and and that's okay rather than it being this big scary unknown. Yeah. But that's but hard if hard. You, your experience has your first experience is traumatic. I think that's what yeah. I'm sort of reaching for and not saying very well is that I remember saying this in therapy, you know, because I had terrible, we talked about it on the show, like death anxiety. So the moment someone tells me like, oh, I've got a bit of a cough, I'm like, oh, lung cancer. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like immediately like, oh, you're going to die. Um, and um, she was trying to talk to me, my therapist. She was like, you know, there's so many instances where people don't die. And I'm like, yeah, but I've got this 
really strong incidents where someone did. And yeah. I guess I wonder if that's the same for you of like, you know, you there's so many instances, Sam, where things don't happen and everything's fine. You're like, yeah, but the one day it did happen, like I was very close to that. So it's it's really hard. You know, that's how your brain protects you. You learn by experience. Like, oh, I put my hand in the fire. It hurts. Don't do that. Oh, this awful thing happened. Right, that can happen. That's something you need to be prepared for. It's really hard to switch that off in your brain once, when you've, especially when you've experienced it at a young age, when your brain is learning. Ah, this is how the world works. Yeah, you can't, you can't logic your way out of no. everything. You know, as much as it would uh, be lovely if we could and as much as we try, I think it, sometimes you just kind of need to almost lean into it to accept it a bit as well yeah yeah um not not with stuff as you say like death anxiety obviously you don't want to just embrace that fully but at least acknowledging it and then yeah uh, i think that's what like you said earlier like it's acknowledging it acknowledging the guilt acknowledging the anxiety and then and then you can move through it it's when you deny it to yourself isn't it when you're like no no that's fine that's normal (laughs) that's just that's just how i am i think that can be perhaps i don't know i'm struggling my words today like perhaps it's it's not the best way to process it is you know or when you get better at processing you you see the process in yourself you're like oh i'm feeling the guilt today because of this but that's okay i'm allowed to feel that like all of those steps you have to kind of take your brain through but my god like sam it's it's an extremely unusual and traumatic thing to have been through like and whether it you know whether you were next to the bomb blast or away from the bomb blast it's you're still profoundly affected by it yeah and i think that the way you've been talking about it today has just been yeah amazing thank you for talking about it and and being so honest about how you've dealt with it because that not many people have had to go to process what you have had to process yeah no absolutely my my pleasure and you know i think it as i say you know i think it's so important not to forget these things as yeah as as horrible and traumatic and awful as it is it's important to remember these things and it's important to talk about them thank you sam i really appreciate you remembering the children and the teacher of the dumbling primary school thank you you can follow sam on twitter and find out about where he's performing his improv if you head to at the spont players that's at the spont s-p-o-n-t players uh, there was all the information of where he's doing improv uh, as I said at the beginning all the information that he mentioned all the organisations he talks about on the show I'm going to put in the show notes so if you want any more information please do click through to there you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast the show was recorded remotely in both our living rooms it was edited by Kate Holland the music was provided by the Glue Ensemble and remember you are not alone up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 